Organization leaders and sponsors carry a big influence in any meeting they attend. How they show up can affect everyone else in the meeting and the success of the intended outcomes. In this episode, we'll provide guidance for what leaders should be doing before, during, and after a meeting to help drive organizational success and harness the wisdom and skills of their team. I'm your host, Lauren Green, meeting coach and facilitation trainer, here to help you unsuck your meetings one episode at a time. I've helped hundreds of professionals and organizations through leading inclusive, engaging, and productive meetings, and now I'm offering this podcast to help you do the same. Think of this podcast as an ongoing workshop, where each time you tune in, you'll get a bite-sized nugget of knowledge you can apply right away. If you lead meetings or might someday, you're in the right place. Let's make your meetings work. Welcome back, meeting makers. If you've been with us this season, you know we're talking about how to unsuck your meetings when you're a participant. In the last episode, we went over some roles you can play to add value and help your meetings run smoother. And in this episode, we're going to talk about a very specific meeting role, the role of the meeting sponsor or leader. Not every meeting has one, but during special meetings like check-ins or retreats, whoever is the head honcho, so to speak, carries a lot of weight in the meeting. How they choose to behave in that meeting has a huge impact on the meeting outcomes. Bad meeting sponsorship behavior looks like any other bad meeting etiquette, interrupting, checking out, or being long-winded. But because this person carries positional power, their behavior has a bigger impact on the meeting than if they were just a normal participant. For those of you who aren't organizational leaders, let me break down what their experience is often like. Leaders, especially the ones at the uppermost level, are often out of the loop and sometimes lonely. Everyone is looking up to them to make good decisions and give good direction. There is a lot of pressure. And in many cases, these leaders are not getting honest feedback from the levels below, either because they aren't asking for it or there's some fear of retribution. Good leaders recognize that successful organizations make good use of the knowledge that exists in the ranks below them. But because of the top-down way many organizations are traditionally run, the structures to harvest that knowledge just aren't present. These leaders, the good ones, often look for ways to draw out knowledge from their teams in order to make better decisions. But if they don't have the skill set to do this, they get stuck. And this stuckness can lead to ill-informed decisions and the organization can suffer as a result. Peter Senge's S-curve model breaks down four different styles of meeting decisions. Tell, sell, consult, and co-create. In a tell, the leader is simply telling a group what their, the leader's, decision is. This works great in simple or urgent circumstances where time and clarity are key. In a sell, the leader is offering their ideas but wants feedback from the group. In a consult, the leader wants the group to come up with ideas, but ultimately they will make the final decision. And in a co-create, the leader wants to decide with the group 
and will ultimately sponsor whatever the group decides. No one of these decision styles is better than the other, and different scenarios call for different styles. But transparency at the beginning of the meeting is key. In one of my very first facilitation experiences, I led what I thought was a co-creative meeting, only to be told by the leader at the very end, hey, that was really great, but we're going to go with what we decided before this meeting. We just needed to check the box on collaboration. My jaw dropped. I had just been totally bamboozled, and so had the entire group. How do you think those 40 participants felt when they realized that nothing that they had come up with was moving forward? How do you think they showed up the next time that leader called a meeting? You never want this to be the case, meeting makers. So for the leaders out there, make it clear what type of meeting you're going to have. Tell, sell, consult, or co-create. There are a lot of great leaders out there who want to run consultative and co-creative meetings. They want the group to produce the best options through combining their own ideas. And what leaders don't often realize is that meeting and facilitation skills like the ones we discuss in this podcast can help them lead meetings that make this type of session possible. If you're a leader who has to facilitate a meeting, I highly recommend checking out season one of this podcast and signing up for our academy program in the summer, both linked in the description. But let's say that you're a leader or sponsor who isn't leading the meeting, but rather is participating in it. I find myself in lots of situations where the leader might be highly unaware of their poor etiquette or its impact on the meeting outcomes. Meetings come with a lot of ambiguity, especially meetings where we're trying to solve a tricky situation. Some people can tolerate ambiguity really well and may even thrive in it, whereas others crave clarity and control. Leaders are expected to be able to provide clarity, and when they can't or are not sure how, it can be triggering for them. Maybe you've seen a leader get angry or even shut down in a meeting. Maybe you've seen a leader talk in circles until their eyeballs fall out. And behind this is often fear. Fear that someone will see behind the curtain and realize they have no idea what to do or how to give direction that's needed. This episode aims to give these leaders some clear behaviors that will enable the group to provide that clarity for themselves. At a high level, this involves preparing in advance, setting the tone, managing ourselves throughout the meeting, ending on a high note, and being accountable for the results. Let's start with preparing in advance. This is one area where your role as a leader or sponsor overlaps a bit with that of a facilitator, even if you won't be the person leading the meeting. In Season 1, Episode 4 on Outlining a Meeting, we talk about the importance of establishing clear meeting outcomes. As a leader, this is your primary responsibility, and if you're not sure what the outcomes should be, Listen to that episode to help you formulate clear outcome statements. And if you're still not sure what the outcome should be, this is an indicator that more data is needed from people that are going to be in the room. Something that you can delegate to a staff member is the task of collecting data through a survey or interviews. Data gathering is critical to ensuring that we walk into a session with the right goals and set the right tools to achieve our outcomes. The next part of preparing in advance is dedicating enough time for the meeting itself. 
A complex session could take half a day or a full day, and team retreats are generally a full day or multiple days. For online meetings, this could be broken up into shorter sessions, but having enough time to make sure you can address all of the key areas is critical. Many people dread and complain about long meetings, but a rushed meeting where there is not enough time to accomplish what's needed is one of the worst kind of meetings. As long as you are using processes that keep people working and moving, the time will fly by. On that note, be sure to avoid long presentations. Talking heads and sitting for a long time without engaging people always wears them out. If you really need to do a presentation, check out Season 2, Episode 9 for tips on making presentations engaging for your team. Also avoid too much time spent in the large group or what facilitators call the plenary. Too much time in a big group also wears people out. Most people are apprehensive to speak in front of a large group because they fear being judged, but it also slows productivity as only one person can speak at a time, and it encourages people to check out and not pay attention. In cases where you are attending as a meeting participant, like we've been focusing on during this episode, this preference will need to be communicated to whoever is leading or facilitating the meeting itself. If you're not sure how to best structure the time, I recommend working with a process facilitator who can make recommendations on the right combination of individual, small group, and plenary work that will best achieve your outcomes. We're going to talk about this more in the next episode, but there are different types of facilitators, and it's important to interview facilitators to ensure that you're working with someone whose style aligns with your goals and organization. For example, if you are a leader who wants to be active in the intricacies of designing an agenda and you want to be sure that the process is clear and thorough, do not work with a facilitator who prefers a more dynamic style of facilitation and who may not include agenda design as part of their process. Facilitation and meeting skills are life skills. And they are often so easy to understand and implement that you'll be wondering why you didn't first learn them in grade school. If you're ready to make meeting skills a core competency in your organization, we recommend our meeting coaching program, one-on-one or team sessions with a certified coach and meeting expert who will partner with you to design your meeting, prepare you to facilitate with confidence, and mature your meeting practices within your organization. If you love this podcast and want a one-on-one customized coach approach, visit makemeetings.work forward slash contact to partner with us and make your meetings work. So now that you've prepared for the meeting and are ready to think about how you're going to open the session, it's important to set the right tone. Even when you are not the person leading the rest of the meeting, It's often expected and beneficial for the leader or sponsor to say a few words at the start. Earlier in this episode, we talked about the Senge model, tell, sell, consult, and co-create. The beginning of the meeting is when you should let the group know what kind of meeting this is, if not sooner. You should also prepare some brief talking points that establish the background, why this meeting is important, and acknowledge current realities and hardships that may have led to the intended outcomes of the meeting. Let the group know that you are committed to sustaining the results of the meeting. If there are any known next steps, the beginning of the meeting is a nice place to include them. People like to know how their input is going to be used after the meeting, and that gives them more motivation to be present and engaged. 
Lastly, clarify any expectations that you have for the group's behavior. For example, actively listening, not interrupting, and removing distractions. In short, an outline for your opening talking points could include clarifying the type of meeting, key background information, clarifying outcomes and next steps, plus desired behaviors. During the meeting, you'll have to be really mindful of how you show up. If you have taken any kind of leadership development training, there would have been a strong emphasis on self-awareness and emotional intelligence. Meetings are a great opportunity to put into practice what you may have learned about yourself during these types of trainings. First, I want to acknowledge that during a meeting, you are highly in the spotlight. What you say and do has a strong impact on the meeting. If you are trying to create space for others to have a voice, it's important that you set an intention for yourself to listen more often than you voice your opinions and use questions more than statements to encourage people to share their thoughts. Episode 5 of this season will help you with formulating better questions. When you do speak up, try to be as brief as possible in your comments. Avoid assigning any kind of value to the ideas of others, even positive ideas, unless it's going to help the progress of the meeting. Saying something is a good idea might prevent someone else from speaking up about an alternative. On the flip side, there may be moments when a group gets so stuck or wound up around three or four ideas that expressing your preference for one of those ideas could help the group move forward. The key is withholding your opinion long enough for the group to get all of their ideas out on the table. Some leaders even decide to leave the room during the bulk of the brainstormings to avoid overly influencing the conversation. Be sure, though, that if you do leave the room, that you are prepared to commit to the results that come up after you're gone. Nobody likes looking stupid, especially if you're in a leadership role. And it's really easy to feel threatened when you are actually feeling confused. If you start to feel frustrated or angry, this is a moment to pause, take a deep breath. You might need a moment to form a question in your head into something that you can ask the group in a non-threatening way. Marshall Rosenberg's work on nonviolent communication is an excellent compendium of information that can help you form thoughts and feedback in a constructive way. Lastly, unless it aligns with your desired outcomes, resist making decisions in the room. It's perfectly okay to let the group know that you're going to make a final decision following the meeting after you review the results, and hopefully you've already stated this clearly in your upcoming remarks, but it's important to give yourself time after the meeting to percolate on what came up before you make your final call. Now, if there's one thing you take away from this episode, it's that transparency in the decision-making process is critical for the group to participate in the meeting and trust you as a capable leader who supports the wisdom of their team. The only thing more important than your opening remarks is your closing remarks. Throughout the meeting, take a few notes on what you would like to say to close the meeting. At the very least, it's important to thank the group for their time and contributions, and also show your commitment to the decisions that were made or the next steps. Even if it wasn't what you had in mind, committing to what the group decides shows that you have taken their input seriously. If there were any challenges or conflict that arose in the group, this is also a great time at the end to acknowledge and appreciate the group for working through these challenges. Perhaps there's some next steps that you're going to take to help resolve any confusion that might still be lingering. 
The reason most meetings and larger offsites fail is that the next steps were unclear and action owners responsible for them were not assigned. One thing leaders can do is in the days following the meeting, send a note to the meeting participants repeating your appreciation and summarizing next steps. As a leader, you can delegate responsibility for those next steps, but it's important not to step away completely. After a few days, follow up with the action owners to see what progress has been made. Depending on the stakes of the meeting, it may also be important to send a message to the broader organization or those who are impacted with a summary of key decisions that were made. If this meeting was part of a larger change initiative, it may be important to work with your internal human resources or communications team to determine how best to message those decisions more broadly. To go above and beyond, a few weeks after the meeting, gather any key updates and send a recap note to the meeting participants with progress that has been made towards the next steps and other ways that they can get involved. Taking this step ensures that people truly trust that their input has been valued and it's going to make them more likely to come back to the next meeting even more fully committed to participating. We hope this episode emphasizes the critical role of leaders in shaping effective meetings and the importance of transparency throughout the meeting process. Leaders must prepare in advance, set the tone, manage themselves during the meeting, end on a positive note, and remain accountable for the results. Leaders' ability to create an environment where participants feel valued and heard, regardless of the type of meeting, is a key step in fostering trust and collaboration. By adhering to these principles, leaders can create meetings that drive organizational success and harness the collective wisdom of their teams. Okay, leaders, let's make your meetings work. This podcast was written by Lauren Green and produced by Caitlin Murray. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a few seconds to rate and review so future meeting makers can find our community. Download a visual summary of this episode in the description and be sure to join the conversation in our Meeting Makers Facebook group. Want help with your next meeting? Reach out at makemeetings.work forward slash contact and we'll set up time to chat. 